Turn with me to Psalm chapter 4. Psalm chapter 4, and um, uh, I'm reminded of Moses. Moses went up on Mount Sinai to be with the Lord and to commune with God and um, receive the Ten Commandments and the law there. But uh, also, he says, Lord, let me see uh, your presence. And God says, you, you can't see my face and live, but I'll let you see the back of my presence. And so God uh, comes before him, passes in front of him, and lets him see the back after he covers him with his hand. Uh, lets him see the back. And Moses' face was just shining with the glory of God. Uh, it literally terrified the Israelites. It scared them half to death. So Moses had to cover up the glory of God on his face. Uh, then Paul in, in Corinthians talks about the fact that um, we, as God's people, have his glory being manifest through our lives. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Um, how do we have that glory manifest through our lives? Well, part of that is by being with the Lord. Uh, and sometimes that can be intimidating. How we approach the Lord, uh, he is holy, he is mighty, um, and he is perfectly good, and how we can approach such a God. Well, I'm grateful that God gives us directions on that in his word. And this psalm uh, is, is a psalm where David uh, speaks to the Lord, but he also addresses his enemies uh, in, in the psalm. As it was used in the, in the worship services of, of uh, the temple of that day, uh, and, and as he speaks to God, and as he addresses his enemies, uh, we see some things about how we can approach God. We, we see through David's prayer to God, but we also see uh, as he appeals to his enemies to repent and so forth, we see how we can even approach God as a sinner. And I, I praise God that we can approach God, that Christ receives sinful men. Amen? Praise God that we have a God like that who through the blood of Christ will receive sinners. Um, and so uh, we need to put our trust in the Lord uh, and, and to recognize these principles and come into his presence with boldness uh, because there is such a blessing to be had. And the title of my message tonight is How to Approach God. And we're, by the way, uh, for those of you who might not have been here this morning, this is the start of a series on how to pray. So, how to approach God. Look with me at verse 1. It says, Answer me when I call God who vindicates me. You freed me from affliction. Uh, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. How long, exalted ones, will my honor be insulted? How long will you love what is worthless and pursue a lie? Know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Reflect in your heart while on your bed and be silent. Offer sacrifices in righteousness and trust the Lord. Uh, many are asking, who can show us anything good? Let the light of your face shine on us, Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abound. I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me live and safety. So how to approach God? How, how do we uh, approach God? It says here, we need to come seeking an answer. Come seeking an answer. Verse 1, he says, answer me 
when I call. Now, that may seem like a simple thing to you. Uh, well, of course we're coming seeking an answer. That's the reason we're praying. But the fact of the matter is, many people struggle with this idea. I've heard people say sometimes, well, God is sovereign. So if God's sovereign, why should I even come and pray? Because God already knows what's on my heart, and God already has a plan, and all those, these things are determined, so why even pray? But the fact of the matter is, the fact that God is sovereign means that he can sovereignly choose to respond to the prayers of his people, right? I mean, when, when my kids were little, I was sovereign, not in the same way God is, but I was sovereign over them, right? I was the authority figure in their life. But I let them ask me for things. And because they're my kids and I love them, if I could do it, a lot of times I would give them what they asked for. I responded to them. Why? Because I love them. Uh, you know, I, I have a hard time swallowing the fact that God is never moved by the prayers of his people because the Bible has things like this. What about 2 Chronicles 7:14? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then shall I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. What's the implication? If they don't humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I won't heal their land. God says, I will change what I'm doing with a whole country based on the prayers of my people. Jeremiah said this, he said, Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. What's the implication there? If you don't call on me, I won't show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So uh, God, and throughout Scripture, we see these things. God invites his people to call on him. So we come seeking an answer and believing that God truly does care about us and wants to respond to us. Now, in seeking an answer, we also recognize that God is the perfect one to go to to ask a question, right? Uh, because he knows us. He knows what's best for us. He, know, he created us. He knows what our strengths and weaknesses are. He knows what we don't need. Uh, for instance, when I was a teenager, I prayed for a cherry red Corvette convertible. Uh, I said, God, this is what I want. You said to ask, and, and you know, if I, I have not because I asked not, so I'm going to ask you. And so I asked him for that. You know, I never got that Corvette, uh, but God knew who I was. Listen, I'm an adult, and I still have a lead foot. Uh, much less when I was a teenager, I did not need a red Corvette convertible. And so God, praise God, in his wisdom did not give me what I asked for. And so God knows us, uh, and he does have veto power. Okay? Now, I, I know that there are people on uh, television who will tell you, you know, if you claim it and you name it, God has to give it to you. No, he doesn't. He's God and we're not. Okay? So, uh, but does he want to give us good things? Absolutely. When we call on him, is he eager uh, to work on our behalf? Absolutely. Uh, and there have been so many prayers over the years that I've seen God answer, uh, and sometimes in really remarkable ways. And, um, you know, my God loves me. And he loves you, by the way. Did you know that? Uh, and, and because he loves us, he is eager to do what's good for us. I can remember when my little when my kids were little, uh, and we'd have Christmas morning, and you know my kids were lo so lucky. 
um, neither one of Sherry's siblings had kids, and so they had two sets of grandparents, uh, and there weren't many grandkids on my parents' side when both of my kids were born. Uh, there's just them and then uh, Jenny's son, Joseph, at the time. And so, really, my kids had, they were getting gifts from aunts and uncles. They were getting gifts from grandparents. And then they get, got some gifts from us, too. And so, it, you know, they had, a, they had some great times there opening those things and enjoying those things. And there were sometimes there would be so much joy in their little eyes as they, as they would open those things. It would almost bring me to tears. It just moved me. Why? Because I love my kids. I delight to see them get uh, things that I know that they will enjoy. Did you know that God thinks of you that way? Uh, so when you come, how do you approach God? Come seeking an answer. Secondly, come relying on his help. Come relying on his help. If you look in verse 1, uh, my translation says, Answer me when I call God who vindicates me. Some of your translations probably say something like God of my righteousness. Um, God who vindicates me is a translation of that phrase, God of my righteousness in the original. Uh, and the idea, it could be in the context of this psalm, David has enemies. And so uh, the translator said, well, how is he... How is God providing righteousness? He is showing David to be righteous in the presence of his enemies. That's what vindication is. Um, and, and so uh, you, could, you could translate it that way, but you could also translate it the God who justifies me. We've been talking a lot about justification lately. I love that. Or how about this? The God who sustains me in my righteousness, in my righteous living. Okay? But in all these cases, what am I doing? I'm recognizing that God is the source of these things, right? And so I'm relying on him when I'm coming to him. God, you're the God of my righteousness. If I'm to have righteousness, God is going to come from you. I'm relying on you for what I need. Did you know we can rely upon God for what we need spiritually? We can rely upon him for what we need emotionally and physically in our lives, and we can call upon him. And he wants us to rely upon him, to lean upon him in the situations of life. Um, when I'm confused or perplexed about something in my spiritual walk or in my service for God, I just tell God about it. I've learned God knows what I'm thinking anyway, so I'm just completely honest with the Lord about what I'm thinking. If it's sinful, I'll say, Lord, I confess, I know it's sinful, but this is what I'm thinking. Please help me out with it. Because God knows. But I'm relying on him to provide the help, to provide the wisdom I need, uh, to provide the power that I need, and so forth in my life. And we need to come recognizing that he is our helper. Um, he, I love what uh, the New Testament says about the comforter, as most translations will translate it, uh, some people have called uh, the Holy Spirit the helper. It literally means one who is called alongside. Uh, he is called alongside to help us, to comfort us, to direct us. Um, and we can rely upon him. He's there. Um, and he is eager to help us in this thing called life. Um, so come relying upon, uh, upon him for his help. So uh, how do we come? How do we approach God? And by the way, 
let me just say this in case you're overwhelmed by this. This is not a checklist to go through every time you have your quiet time. Okay? The things I'm giving you here are things that uh, uh, may apply. It depends on the purpose of your prayer. Are you, are you coming just to talk to God and, and praise Him for His goodness? Well, you might not use some of these things that we're going to talk about here tonight. Um, but uh, based on your prayer, there, these are ways we, have, we can approach God and the kind of the mindset in which we approach God uh, in various cases. And so uh, don't, don't think, okay, well, I can't remember all those things, so I can't pray, okay? Don't, don't go there, okay? But um, these are things that can help you as you approach God as a, as a child of God. Okay, so how do we come and approach God? Uh, come seeking an answer, come relying on his help, come remembering his power. Now, my translation in verse 1 says, you freed me from affliction. Literally, the Hebrew says, I was, something along these lines, okay? I was in a tight spot, and you put me in a roomy spot. <laughs> so the word tight and the word roomy are in, the, in this, in this uh, verse. And uh, you freed me from affliction. Well, you got me out of the tight spot I was in. And now you've brought me into a place of blessing. God can totally turn the situation around. That's the power he has. He can, we may be over here and we call upon the Lord and before long we're over here. Why? Because God can totally change the situation. Um, so we, we come recognizing his power. Uh, there's nothing you can ask God for that, ch- that will challenge his ability to fulfill the request. Um, sometimes uh, I, I had a friend in Texas who used to say, uh, we don't ask God for big enough stuff. We don't, it, listen, you can't challenge his power. But as you ask, what, what, what did God say to Mary? He said, for nothing will be impossible with God. Uh, this power that God has, he has power to help us with our family life. He has power to help us at work. He has power to help us at the church. He has power to help us in our witness. Uh, In every sphere of life, he has the power to change things in our lives. And we come to him recognizing his ability to help us. Um, Samson kind of took this ability for granted. God had given him a great strength for the purpose of delivering Israel. And uh, Samson was a Nazarite, so finally he goes through and he's breaking all of these different aspects of being a Nazarite. Finally, the last one is... He told Delilah the secret of his strength. If, if you cut my hair, I'll be weak. So they cut his hair, and God's spirit just takes his hand off of Samson's life. And they make Samson a slave, and they ridicule him. They literally gouge his eyes out. I mean, they were horrible to him. Uh, and he lives this way for a season of time. And finally, they bring him to a Philistine feast. And he's standing between two pillars where they've got him chained. And uh, they're, they're ridiculing him, making fun of him as they worship their false god. Uh, but all these officials of the Philistine country are there. And Samson remembers where his power came from. And he says, God, you know, I don't really deserve it, but would you restore my strength this one last time so that I can win a great victory for your people? And God hears his prayer and grants him the strength that he needs. And he pushes upon those pillars. And the pillars give way and the house falls down upon all those 
Philistines and they were all killed. Samson dies in his last uh, feat of strength. He remembered the power that he had as he was blessed by God's hand and he called upon God to give him the power that he needed. We need to do the same thing. Come remembering his power. He has great power. Great power. Ask him to do what seems to be impossible. I've told you about my next door neighbor um, at the first church I pastored. Uh, he was in his 80s. Was a, he was lost. Uh, had 12 kids. 11 of the 12 had become Christians. And they were praying for him. And they tried to talk to him. He wouldn't talk, he wouldn't talk to me. I'd go over and say, hey, you know, um, uh, let me talk to you about Jesus. And he'd say, well, I want to be a good neighbor, but let's not talk about that. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, time went on, but God worked in his life. He ended up coming to faith in Christ. How? Because God answered the prayers of his children. I believe that with all my heart. They didn't quit. They continued to lift him before the throne of grace. And God is just that powerful. He can save people that we think he can't save. He can change people that we think he can't change. Never underestimate the power of a living God. So we come remembering his power. That's a great way to approach the Lord. It's a, it's a position of faith. All right. So uh, how do we approach God? Come seeking an answer. Come relying on his help. Come remembering his power. Come asking for grace. I love this. King David prays in verse 1, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Every time you come to God, the only reason you're able to come is because of grace. Uh, now, sometimes we may feel a need to pray that. Other times you may not feel a need to pray that. You may not, uh, there may not be a sin that you know of that you need to confess. But if you do come... And maybe you feel your own unworthiness. Come and ask God for grace. Um, I love the fact that David does this. He, he's called in Scripture a man after God's own heart. And we all know about his failure. But he recognizes his need for grace. All of us need grace. And praise God, where sin abounds, there's a grace much more abound. God is willing to give it. So ask him for it. Um, when I come, a lot of times I come, I just plead the blood of Jesus. I say, Lord, I know I'm not worthy to come. I know uh, that uh, I've, I've failed you, but God, I thank you that my Savior died and shed his blood on the cross for me. And so, God, I don't come based on my own worthiness. I come based on the righteousness of Christ as my clothing. I come pleading the blood of Jesus, my Savior, who is worthy. And uh, what a great way uh, to enter into a time of prayer. And listen, I, don't, I can't think of a time where God has ever uh, not uh, responded to that, that prayer for grace in my life. All right, so come asking for grace. Come seeking an answer, relying on his help, remembering his power, asking for grace. Come anticipating God's delight. Now here David's talking to his enemies and he says in verse 3, know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. In other words, those who believed in him. God has set them apart for himself. 
In other words, he's saying, I am God's special person, his special treasure. Um, did you know God delights in us as his people? When, when my, uh, my sister's daughter, Zoe, that, they'll probably be here next Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, but when Zoe was little, uh, she thought my son David could do no wrong. She just loved David. And so every time they would come to visit, the first question that would come out, where's David? That was, that was, well, then David, would, David, when she found David, she was about, I think she was about two, okay? She'd come over and grab David's hand. She said, come over here. She'd drag him over there. She didn't want anybody else talking to David. She wanted David all to herself. She set apart, set aside David for herself. Did you know that this is what he's saying here? Know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. Think about this for a second. The Almighty loves you that way. He says, I want to pull you aside and just spend time with you. It's my delight. Matter of fact, I've set you apart for this. Um, one scripture says that the Lord rejoices over us with singing. Another scripture says that he dances over us. Now, I, it's, I, it's hard for me to fathom that, but it's true. God delights in us. I, I'm not sure I completely understand that, but, but God delights in me. He doesn't say, oh, here comes Roger. That, why is he here again? Doesn't he know that, I mean, he's blown it three times yesterday or five times yesterday. Why is he here? Why does he come here? Does he really think I want to talk to him? Now, the devil will tell you that that's exactly how, how God thinks about you. But don't you believe it. The welcome banner is always open over the door of the Almighty for his children. He delights in us. And when we come, I, one of the most beautiful things I uh, I had a pastor friend in, in Texas, and uh, we, we happened to come across the situation of falling asleep during the prayer time. And he was a grandpa, and he said, you know, when my little grandson sits in my lap, sometimes he falls asleep. And he said, I just sit there and enjoy his presence till he wakes up, and we pick right up where we left off. You see, that's delight. And that's how God feels about you. Sometimes we, we convince ourselves that we've got to somehow perform to, to have God think, uh, think well of us and delight in us. But that's not the case. He already delights in us. I remember uh, the moment my, my daughter, she was my firstborn. Uh, I remember when she was born. And I felt this way about David too. But I... Uh, I just remember being shocked. I, I, I held her for the first time, and there was this just powerful love. Instantaneous love. It shocked me. Uh, I'd, I'd never had that happen before. And, uh, and I, I remember just enjoying her. And, uh, and then about three days later, I was having my quiet time, and it just struck me. Why does God call me his child? He calls me his child because he loves me. 
like I love her. You know, I, I, I was just so overwhelmed. I just began to weep. This is God's heart toward us. God has set you apart for himself. All right, so how to approach God. Come seeking an answer. Come relying on his help. Come remembering his power. Come asking for grace. Come anticipating God's delight. Come repenting of sin. Uh, again, David here is talking to his enemies. Uh, I believe it's the Septuagint translates this, be angry and do not sin. And, and the New Testament uh, quotes that in the context of dealing with anger. But the Hebrew literally says, tremble and do not sin. So it, it can mean tremble with anger and do not sin, but it could also mean tremble in fear and do not sin. Of course, David's talking to his enemies, and his enemies, why, why is he talking about his enemies? Well, because his enemies are also God's enemies, because David's leading forth in God's purpose, and the reason they're his enemies is because they're God's enemies. They're against what God is doing. So um, David says, tremble. By the way, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to tremble. Because apart from the work of Jesus Christ, there's no hope for you. Uh, he who has the Son has life. He does not have the Son does not have life. And the wrath of God remains on him. Tremble and do not sin. Now, we don't have to tremble as believers in Christ because the wrath of God was carried out on Christ on our behalf. But we should have a healthy respect and fear of God's discipline. We also should recognize that when we come to God in prayer, if we have sin that we've not repented of, it short circuits the fellowship. We can't enjoy the blessings of our Christian life in the same way when we're not right with God. So we come repenting of sin, and uh, the first step in that is confessing sin, right? Lord, I sinned when I fill in the blank. That's confession. Lord, I admit my sin. I agree with you together that this is sin. Um, but, but that's the first step. If we confess our sins, he's what? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That is, he restores the fellowship and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God begins a process of cleansing. <clears throat> but we're not done because confession, excuse me, confession is intended to lead to repentance. So uh, usually what I'll do is I'll say, Lord, would you please surrender through me? Would you please give me the ability to genuinely repent if I'm struggling with that? And then I say, Lord, I, I choose to turn from my, my sin to follow you. And as we do that, what does it do? It opens up the lines of fellowship. And now I'm able to enjoy God as he intends me to enjoy him. Same thing is true in your 
relationships with your family members. You get in a fight with somebody, it's a brother or sister, could be a spouse, right? <clears throat> Have you ever had somebody say, don't touch me? Right? Well, it's not that you're no longer brother and sister or husband and wife, right? You're still in the same position that you've always been. But the problem is the fellowship. And so uh, what happens is when you make up and, and that relationship is restored, then you can relax and enjoy the relationship again. Same thing is true with God. And so we repent of sin. So we come repenting of sin. Then um, also, and finally, we come trusting his grace. Trusting his grace. Again, David's talking to his enemies here in verse 5. He says, offer sacrifices in righteousness and trust in the Lord. In other words, re repent and trust in the Lord. Great advice uh, for your enemies. And, and a great, great example there of, of how we ought to try to reach people who who are lost, who oppose the things of God. But he also says, offer sacrifices in righteousness. So what, what's he implying there? There's a, there's a sacrifice necessary in order to receive the grace of God. And then he says, trust in the Lord. Now we know the sacrifice is Jesus Christ, but we also need to come trusting his grace. I've talked about asking for grace, but this is trusting grace. There have been times in my life where I have asked for grace, but I really didn't believe God would give it to me. You ever been there? I thought, well, I've asked for it, but I still come kind of with, you know, the head hung low and, you know, okay, God, I'm, I'm here, but, you know. And I'm not really trusting that his grace is sufficient. We come trusting. Listen, the sacrifice of Jesus is enough. As Hebrews says, it's once for all. And all means all. Uh, my past sins are under the blood. My future sins are under the blood. My present sin is under the blood. Praise God from start to finish. Every single thing that would stand in the way of my fellowship with God is under the blood of Jesus. If my fellowship's broken, I need to confess that and repent of it to restore the fellowship. But it's already paid for. Every sin. So I just need to trust the grace. Trust the grace that's there. Um, one thing I've found over the years is God's got a whole lot of grace, a whole lot more grace than we give Him credit for, and God's got a whole lot more love for us than we give Him credit for. Um, you know, I, I, I remember my concept of God. A lot of times, I heard somewhere, and I don't, you know, I'm not a big psychology person, but um, I heard somewhere that a lot of times people treat God as they do their father a human father. And the problem with that is there's not a human father alive that's perfect. All of us are sinful and flawed. Uh, and so we tend to maybe put God in the category we put perhaps of our father or some preconception that we found somewhere. And we think God is a certain way, but what I've found is over the years, God's grace has been so consistent in my life. Time after time after time after time. You say, well, boy, preacher, you've got a lot of issues. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, but praise God, I've got a great Savior. And um, what I found is I can trust His grace. Um, so, so come to Him. Come to Him with your issues. Uh, you know, there's some people you won't go to with your problems, right? You don't trust them. Maybe they're unkind. You say, well, if I tell that person, they're going to make fun of me and ridicule me. 
about this, you know. Uh, or perhaps they're a gossip. You say, well, I can't go to that person. If I go to that person, they're going to tell everybody and their brother uh, what I'm struggling with, and, and I'm going to be the topic of conversation at the dinner table, and I just don't want to go there. Uh, and so, and, or perhaps we got some people, you know, that person's just not going to care. And so we don't have enough trust in these people to go to them. But then occasionally we find maybe that person, that friend or that family member that, that we trust. And we know uh, that that person will accept us. And so the things that we won't share with other people, we'll take to that person. Because we know that person loves us. And we know that person will respond to us with kindness and grace. Because we've learned, we've learned to experience that's the way they are. Um, you know, my kids, when they were little, they, they would never come to me when they scraped their knee. They would always go to Cheryl. Uh, something about mom. There's, mom is more approachable or something. But, but can I tell you something? God is that way with us. He is the most approachable person. Now, I recognize if you don't know Christ, you've got an issue. Because God's holy and we're sinful, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about for, for those who know Jesus Christ, okay? Those of us who've repented and put our trust in Jesus, we're his children. God is so approachable. You can tell him absolutely everything on your heart. And if you don't believe me, look at the, do a study of the life of Jesus, Look, I'm not talking about the Pharisees. They, they thought they were righteous, and Jesus rebuked them and, and confronted them uh, because they needed to be shook out of their complacency, okay, and, and recognize their need for, for grace. But if you look at Jesus' response to sinners, I can't find one place that Jesus didn't respond in grace. Sometimes he might challenge a person to go and leave your life of sin, right? But he always responded in grace. The publican feels his unworthiness so much, he's, he's kneeling at the, the altar, he's beating his breast. His guilt is so great, he says, I'm not worthy. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What does Jesus say? He went home justified. What's he telling us? We can bring our great sin to God. We can bring the small, medium, and large. Okay, we, we can bring everything to Christ. He's approachable. And, and we need to do that because who's going to be able to help us with, it, with those things? Him. Right? So we come trusting His grace. Um, David uh, recognized his sin. Uh, others in Scripture, we, we find praying prayers of repentance. Um, I, love, I love what uh, the, the one man, I believe the uh, leper, he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I'm willing. Be clean. <laughs> Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Yeah. Trust the grace of God. Why did Jesus come to die? Christ died for sin once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. If you're unrighteous, you qualify. 
Jesus said, that's the reason I came. I came to remove the barrier. So the God who loves us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? The God who loved us could have the relationship he wanted to have with us. So bring it to Jesus. Bring, bring your mess to Jesus. Bring your failure to Jesus. Bring your perplexity to Jesus. Come trusting him, trusting God, uh, and trusting his grace. And, you know, God is so open to us. Uh, as you do that, you will find that the welcome banner is over the door, that he loves you, and that he is willing to act on your behalf. A lot of times, our approach is, is where we lose it. We come, we what did God tell us? He said, he said whatsoever is not of faith is sin, right? We don't come trusting God to be who he says he is. We don't come trusting God to respond the way that he says he will respond. And so we kind of short-circuit the process in our prayer life. But if we'll come in faith and we'll come with the right approach, uh, we can enjoy the fullness of that relationship with God the way God intends for us to enjoy it. So how to approach God? How should we do it? Come seeking an answer. Come relying on his help, remembering his power, asking for grace, anticipating God's delight, repenting of sin, and trusting his grace. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask, Lord.